Hi there, this is Abby with the Minnesota Center for Environmental Advocacy. We've been fighting to protect Minnesota's environment for almost 50 years. It's easy to keep up the good fight when we have special places like the Boundary Waters and the great stories like those shared on this podcast to inspire us. Congrats on the 80th episode, by the way. We'd like to invite all the podcast listeners to an upcoming webinar we're hosting on Tuesday, January 24th at noon. This is the finale of our Mining the Climate Crisis webinar series, and it'll feature exciting guests who will discuss their visions for a clean energy future, particularly in the midst of increasing pressure to accept the myth that sulfide mining is the only way to source metals for renewable energy. We know that creative, big picture solutions are needed to address climate change, and this webinar will share insights into how we can meet the moment. Again, that's on January 24th at noon, and you can register at our website, mncenter.org. Hope to see you then. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to the 80th episode of the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. I'm on Kikogami Lake. (laughs) Kinogami. Oh, man. Kinogami Lake. In the Boundary Waters Canary Wilderness with you. You're Matthew Baxley. You're Joe Fredericks. You got your eye on those tip-ups? I can see them from here. Do you want to rotate so you can see them? <laughs> How's that? Is that better? Uh, oh, yeah. That's good. Good. That's good. There you go. Clear view. Two tip-ups in the water. Mm. It's a beautiful day. Lots of ice on the lake already. Good foot. We were just out probably 10 days ago, and there was five inches on some of the smaller, five, six on the smaller lakes. Kind of held at that six for a while. And we had this night up here. Early December, 21 below zero, up over the hill from Grand Marais, and that made significant progress on making a lot of ice. It's 10 to 12 for sure. However, however, we've had some snow, and there is definitely some slush going on. Yeah, I came out on the hawk skis, and I just spent a good five minutes scraping them once we got here. It's just, you know, one of those rough parts of of the weather. Well, it's got me thinking, you know, lake trout openers two weeks away, basically, at this point, and a little over two weeks away, New Year's Eve this year, in the Boundary Waters Lakes only. Could be some slushy, there's a big snowstorm coming here right kind of before Christmas, basically, and it's uh, going to be probably slushy, treacherous ice at the start of the lake trout season. Yeah. Treacherous in the sense of sloppy and messy, not dangerous. 
Exactly. It just slows down travel pretty extensively, and you got to think more about how you're going to get in. And, you know, once you have that slush and it's really cold, it all just sticks as soon as it gets exposed to the air. So we just have that to look forward to, don't we? (laughs) Now, wait a minute. Did you say something about the 80th episode? Oh, yeah. That's this one. You're listening to it right now. It's It's the end of the season, too. End of season five. Yep. It's been officially five years. Jeez. And 80 episodes, not to mention however many short tracks and random little snippets here and there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good run, and I think this train's still chugging. Into season six we go, uh, full of energy and enthusiasm. We've already got many things planned for next year, including heading back to Canucopia in March and all these paddler profiles that uh, you're doing, Matthew, and our own adventures and stories to be shared. Speaking of stories to be shared, you brought... A story with you. Now you came out early this morning. You wanted to have some time to yourself out on the ice. It's something you you uh, always make intentional time for. But today you brought a binder. I did. I was driving up here in the dark and walking across the portage in first light. I didn't need a headlamp to see or anything, but got out here as you said a few, quite a few hours before you. And in this binder were hundreds of pages of what will eventually become a book about the Boundary Waters that I've been working on. And we've been sharing tidbits here and there about that book. And now it's printed out for me to see before it gets shipped off to the publishers in St. Paul at the end, before the end of the year. So it's due before 2022 comes to a close. Well, see, this this is milestones, milestone. 80 episodes, milestone, fifth season, and your book is on paper? Printed out for the first time. And you're reading through it all, so all for the first time. How's it feel? Well, it's full of pen marks, uh, <laughs> so there's that. Do you oh. feel like you are the teacher that was grading your papers back in <laughs> high school? Yeah, I, I didn't use red, I guess, oh, but darn. yeah, um, it, it feels really good, though. I mean, they're a lot of them minor things, just nothing that's like, I got to redo the whole thing, anything like that. Just uh, feels really more, it feels more real reading it in paper. I've been staring at a computer screen with this document for over a, well over a year now, and it feels pretty darn good, actually, to be honest with you. That's amazing to hear. And I mean, if, you know, this is the stories, the stories in this book are what took us to Kentucky and took you to New Mexico. I mean, it's, this has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. The Angleworm Trail when we went out there with Suge and uh, over to Ely with the conservation officer to the campsite of Jordan Grider. Um, so, yeah, all over the Boundary Waters and all over the country. And, well, I mean, I think, you know, for our listeners who love the Boundary Waters, this book is all about that. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll probably be talking about it more, I hope, right? Yeah, that's the plan. It'll be a while until you you know, find it on the bookshelf or something. Spring 2024 is the current plan, so well over a year. But uh, here we go; it's in the works. You know, if we get lucky, I can convince you to like read the opening chapter as like a preview. We'll talk about yeah. it. We'll talk about <laughs> it. That sounds good. Uh, well, you've you've got uh, a story that you'll be sharing on the episode today, Matthew, and I'm very very excited to share this with the the listeners in the paddling community. Yeah, this has been a long time coming for for me and for the folks in the story and just a little background it started what 2021 if folks remember we, we were over at an ely at listening point uh working on some projects and 
walking down Main Street at Ely and stopped in at Ely Outfitting Company because I had never met Jason Zaborski. Mm -hmm. So I went up to make some small talk with him. Mm -hmm. I think in that conversation, uh, he had needed some guide work done. So I, uh, you know, kind of jumped in and took a couple of trips that summer. And part of what Jason was scheming at this time was this Boundary Waters trip that was supposed to happen in the fall. And it's a really unique trip because it was specifically made for all LGBTQ plus identifying folks. And Jason was pretty pumped about this and he wanted somebody to come along who could help tell the story. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got involved. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's just jump right into the story. Here we go. I remember my first trip, my impression was that the Boundary Waters was the land before time. And I still get that feeling when I'm out there. I'm Jason Zaborski. I have Ely Outfitting Company in Ely, Minnesota. We're a Boundary Waters canoe trip outfitter, so we help people from all over the country and actually all over the world come to little old Ely, Minnesota and explore my favorite place, the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. My name is Micah Meyer and I'm one of the organizers of this outside safe space queer Boundary Waters trip. Well, the inspiration for the trip was because I wanted to support Micah and his outside safe space program because I liked what he's doing with you know, promoting welcoming spaces in the outdoors and rural communities for the LGBTQ community that I'm a part of. I just thought that spoke to me. It's important for me to provide this experience because I felt so privileged and honored to hear from thousands of queer people around the world when I was doing my travels to all of America's National Park Service sites and that they shared their stories with me. I wanted to make sure that I was doing something with those and this trip is a result of that. It's just become more important to me to let other people who, who are outdoorsy see other people who identify as LGBTQ+ who are in that community. So that people can experience nature um, fully as themselves and not have to hide parts of themselves to be in the spaces that they like to enjoy. The interesting thing about the group is nobody really knew each other beforehand. It's really diverse in that sense. You know, some people came from the West Coast, some came from the East Coast, some came from Minnesota. Nobody really, uh, really knew each other in the sense that they came as sort of a pair or something like that. So we had nine people who just kind of showed up and did introductions. I think the reality is we all knew that we didn't know how it was all gonna come together or how our personalities were gonna mesh. I think people were pretty good attitude type people and they were gonna make this a fun experience, a really good one. But you never really know how everybody's gonna mesh. And headed north, out of Beaver Dam. Hey, portage to warm up. Paddle, portage, and we are here. And we are just around the bend. This goes pretty quick right here. To scenic, lovely Agnes Lake. Love it. 
So our route the first day started with a half mile long portage. So we're carrying all of our canoes and gear from the parking lot down to the Moose River. We started out paddling and within probably 10 minutes came to our first portage. So everything back out of the canoes and onto land and we're learning as a team how to uh, get our canoes on our shoulders and get our packs on our shoulders and walk everything across that portage to the, the far end where we can stage it and then reload the canoes and carry on down the Moose River. And we had uh, three portages before we got to our first lake, Nina Moose. But in addition to the portages, we had several beaver dams. Beavers are really active on the Moose River this year. So that slowed us up a little bit. We really spent that whole first day playing in the rain. It rained from first thing in the morning till last thing at night. It was 100% humidity and just rain. <laughs> and I didn't know until we got back that the, the rainfalls were three inches or more in the region. But <laughs> I think everybody took it in stride and kept it fun and found it a little bit challenging, but in a good way. After a full day of paddling, I was just destroyed. My neck hurt, my shoulders hurt. Uh, it had been raining all day. I couldn't stop smiling. I'm Holly, my pronouns are she, her. I was feeling a little tired. Everybody was so supportive. Oh, just take a break. Everybody was just really looking out for each other. And it was, it was just so immediately warm, even though it was pouring rain and cold. <laughs> sort of our first day shared experience of challenge that kind of gave us something to, to sort of bond over as well. So in some ways we were pretty lucky that we had that rain the entire first day. Our first day was a day of building resilience, but also a fast form of trust. My name is Beth. My pronouns are she, her. I identify as gay and have a love of the outdoors. <laughs> With the long portages, the inclement weather, uh, like not exactly knowing where we're gonna land, but uh, to just, like, there was no, you know, maybe internal complaints and things along those lines as we like work through our aches and pains, but that was a, a fast forming connection in my mind. I'll always just remember, I paddled that day with Jason and Micah, and as we're having conversation, the blowing wind and rain, and it's just like, we can actually, you know, just, we're talking about whatever comes to mind and still with a, an excitement of being out in the wilderness. I also feel like it was pouring rain that day, but I didn't hear anybody complain once. Like we were all here for it. We were all in when we saw the weather forecast going into this, it was supposed to rain for the first three days. And there wasn't really a lot of concern I've always thought that rainy days on trail are really special 
because if you were back home, you'd never sort of like voluntarily put on your rain jacket and just go kind of walk around in the rain. You'd probably just stay inside and look out the window at it. So when you're on trail, the rain comes, you're just there and you're in it. Something I find sort of really joyful to just be in for the day, like, cause it's such a unique experience. And I got the sense that people were having that sort of a feeling on that day, which was special to me and a, a really good sign that this was gonna be a, a good trip with really, really amazing folks. I was just praying that my rain gear was gonna hold up throughout the day. I was just really prepping myself to like toughen up and be like a good teammate. Those are things that are like kind of ingrained in me and just trying to like kind of prep. I was like, oh, I know I can't portage a canoe on my shoulders. Um, I'm gonna take a big bag on my back and a big bag on my front and <laughs> up falling forward and not being able to get up. I mean, I just love how quickly people came together. I've been on a number of group trips over the years and it usually takes a few days before people really start to warm up for, to each other and, and kind of share uh, more deeper conversations and that'll happen right away day one here. And I think it's it's because we all sort of have that shared outsiderness. We know, we know what it feels like to go into a room where we're the only person of our demographic or we know what it feels like to be at a school where we're the only gay kid. And so I think when we get amongst our peers who have also dealt with that, we want to be really quick to make sure people feel welcome because we know so deeply what it feels like to feel unwelcome that we want to give people a warm, safe place to be as soon as possible. We kind of were really prepping ourselves for a really hard day of rain and maybe more cold than it was even going to be and it didn't end up being quite as cold which was very nice but the rain definitely kind of took a toll and was uh, kind of wearing. So my name is Leigh and I'm from Grand Marais, Minnesota and I came on this trip to connect with connect with community and and the land here to see how that might happen more deeply because of the kind of community that's we've brought together. So it was very sweet to kind of roll into our campsite and then be able to over the next couple of days kind of thaw out and dry out and uh, have things become a little more easeful, which also felt like um, things grew more and more comfortable with us as a group too, as we kind of progressed. So, um, yeah, so it feels like it kind of paralleled each other. We had a campsite that was really kind of expansive, lots of space for everybody to spread out and have their tent or hammock. And it also was the type of campsite where the trees overhead kind of made for a big room underneath. So you could see quite a ways through camp. And, and it sort of felt like you're in, in a room and sort of in the center of the room is where we decided to fly a rainbow pride flag. So you could see it from almost everywhere in camp. You, you couldn't miss it. But it also wasn't really viewable from the water if people were paddling by. It sort of anchored the campsite. <laughs> where are you in the woods? Everything is kind of earth tone, right? 
The rainbow flags, not so much earth tone. It was this focal point where we all came together and we flew it next to what was we called Pride Rock. And on Pride Rock were our hot drink beverages and our snack bag and things. It's where we congregated for our meals. And it sort of anchored the site. You couldn't miss it and you couldn't, you couldn't stop sort of appreciating. It was kind of like in your face a little bit that this is special because we don't usually just fly a pride flag at camp. I think we appreciated how special that was and how unique that was. It's been really meaningful and really cool because I've never been on an outdoor trip with a totally LGBTQ plus group. And that has been really phenomenal. I feel like we all bonded really quickly because we got to skip the tough stuff. And I think in a community where people are often not feeling supported, the folks who feel less supported just jump in to support each other. So the amount of kindness that I've seen has been unlike anything else I've experienced, especially in the outdoors. So even though I've experienced the Boundary Waters in a completely different season, right, winter mainly, um, via skiing or dog sledding, I, it still feels the same. Like, I think the wilderness holds me in the same way as it always does when I'm in it, no matter where I am. I'm sure it's warmer, mostly, except <laughs> for when it's raining, but I had the same feeling of, sure, this feels like home to me, but like, I still feel just as I'm a visitor and I'm here to be, like, just to bear witness to the wilderness. And no matter what season I'm in, I try to like, stay in that space. Actually, I don't, I don't even have to try to stay in that space. That's kind of the space I feel most natural to be in. And I think I feel that way because, you know, say, say it's raining for 24 hours. It's what the wilderness is doing. It's up to the wilderness. And like, I just get to be in it just as much as if it's a bright sunny day. Or if there's a blizzard, it's the same thing. I'm Emily, Emily Ford, if you would rather. And I'm mostly here because I like the Boundary Waters a lot. And I firmly believe that everybody deserves to experience the wilderness, no matter who you are or what you look like. And so we're doing it. It's been really fun watching people who aren't from here. We have a couple people from out of state to watch them experience the Boundary Waters for the first time is like kind of a delight. And we have somebody from Minnesota, a couple of people from Minnesota that have never been here also. So I feel like they found like a new gem in their state. And I think that's what I'm gonna remember the most is like their response to the wilderness. My name's Katie. I'm from Portland, Oregon. Um, yeah, and I came here because this has been on my bucket list for a very long time. So I was chosen through like a drawing system through our company at Keene. And I learned about the Boundary Waters through a soap company back in Ohio. Aubrey. Yeah. So she made a soap specifically for the Boundary Waters and that's kind of how I heard about it. And then I kind of dove into what the Boundary Waters were and I just knew from being a paddler that like this was, I had to do it. I loved learning about the campaign to save the Boundary Waters and the work that's doing to preserve this for other people. Um, it's beautiful and being able to um, get away from being in my head and being more in the experience 
the experience of meeting new people and building new relationships, the experience of canoeing on the water, the experience of just, just seeing without thinking um, has meant a lot to me. Hello, I'm Jordan. I live in Minneapolis. I've always wanted to go to the Boundary Waters and I've never known how. It's always felt like a little bit daunting and a few barriers. Um, I've done quite a bit of backpacking, but the canoeing and the portaging through the water, that felt like something that, ooh, I don't know if I can do that without somebody who could teach me how. Um, so to come with some experts who can guide was a really exciting opportunity for me. Letting Jason just take us into his happy place was such an honor and and to do that with other really competent travelers was really fun. Um, I felt like I was I was I felt like I was on a, like a private trip or a personal trip in so many ways. Except Jason was also in charge, so it was better. My name is Matthew. I live in Grand Marais. I use they them pronouns. I identify as queer. It was a stark contrast between day one and day two. Day one was hard, it was physical. It was wet, it was kind of cold, and you had to be really careful with a lot of things. Like you had to be focused, that you were not slipping in the mud. Um, you had to be careful that you weren't getting too cold. You were doing your best to, to think about staying dry. And there was also kind of relational component where everyone was like trying to figure each other out. And, I feel like we bonded quickly, but there was still the sense like, how's, how's the next person reacting to this kind of challenging weather situa situation? Are people gonna be a little whiny? Are they gonna buck up? Or how, how do I express myself in this situation? So I felt like people were a little tense on day one for a lot of reasons on trail, but on day two, from the moment we woke up and it was dry, I feel like they're kind of like their shoulder tension all kind of melted away, we were able to, to really be more present with where we were and, and who we were with. That day, um, we had a, a destination in mind, and that's the Native American pictographs up on Lac La Croix. And they are the most impressive pictograph display in the region. You know, they're on a massive cliff that drops right into the water and there are some moose and some sort of mysterious handprints that are in kind of a red rust color. And a lot of things just to sit in your canoe and look at and wonder about and be in awe about. I have a friend who grew up in the native village on Lac La Croix, and the way he described it to me was that the pictographs tell a story, but nobody knows what that story is. And they're a spiritual place, but nobody knows what spirits they're referencing. But they're definitely a place to be respected and sort of revered. And they often left uh, offerings at the side of the pictographs. And I thought it was special because Katie made an offering of kind of an arrangement of some kind of foliage that she bound together and then we left floating in front of the pictographs and it was a really sweet thing to do as we admired them. 
But it was nice to have a leisurely day to have some sun and lay out on the rocks and do some more swimming. Swimming in these waters here is always this immersive, magical, cleansing, beautiful experience. So I just do it as much as I can. And to do it with other people who are experiencing either for the first time or just doing that together with other folks is really, really sweet. Like the last time you experienced a deep belly laugh where it just makes you cry because you're laughing so hard and every then little thing after that becomes a sense of humor. That was spent with Leave and Holly and I mean we were laughing so hard that we just were so off course when we were paddling. Like to be able like a couple days into a trip again for me to just laugh that way where it was such a gut ache afterwards and you know to get back into camp and just giggle a little bit more along those lines but it just was a, a bonding moment and uh, a way to connect and we were even luckier because on our paddle back from the pictographs to camp we had one of those special times in the a big lake turns to glass and it becomes a reflecting mirror. The water was just like glass. The reflection of the rocks on the shore sides were just mesmerizing. They were just so cool, all the little creatures. And yeah, it just like kind of felt like you were in an upside down world almost. It was really awesome. That was probably, yeah, something I'll never forget. As we, we paddled by, you, you in some ways couldn't tell which way was up and which way was down because the sky was so perfectly reflected. It's just so enchanting. So we watched all the reflections and as the sunset and we just took our time going back to camp. I would say like especially on this trip there's no there's nothing been like, at least what I've experienced, like nothing like over the top, like gushy, ushy, like, oh, big puddles of cuddles, but it's been just like very intentional, like witnessing that each other like exists and is alive and plays a part within each other and ourselves, but like in this wilderness as well. And I think that's, I think that for me is, uh, it will, it's woven into me a lot deeper than like fun campy time. I think that that like my hope forever is just like that people get to to bear witness to, to the wilderness of any wilderness it would be for them. Maybe of a cheeky squirrel outside your building, I don't know. But like that you allow it to like bear witness to you as well and like receive that, you know, and like I'm not here to use nature and like conquer nature, like never been my shtick. But like when you let it look at you and like you can like kind of immerse into it and just be held by it too. Every, if I could just give everybody a simple gift, that would be it, just once. I mean, cause then people would just do it on their own after that, you know, kind of addicting. But it's for you, like it's for, it's for you, it's for me, it's for us, right? Forever and ever, respectfully, <laughs> as you respect it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think as queer people, 
We have to remember that we are living in a world that was not built for us. So in our daily existence, so oftentimes we have up walls and barriers to protect ourselves and where we're, you know, we're sort of always attuned to what are people saying? How are they acting? Do I need to code switch? Do I need to hide who I am for my own physical safety because of the violence that has traditionally been done upon queer people? And if you doubt that, just Google you know, queer violence and you'll find plenty of examples. We therefore spend our time and our energy on those defenses rather than getting to be fully human. And so we're just fighting to survive. And in spaces like this, we get to thrive. And you can focus on growing and blossoming in all these amazing ways that nature does every spring, you know, it comes to life. And so I think this trip for queer people is our spring. It's our opportunity to bloom and blossom and be more than just, uh, you know, a bud hiding in the ground, but come out to the world to see our beauty. Uh, like I, I see this trip as each and every one of us just being able to move forward together and help others be who they are in the, in the outdoors. I'm excited to come back to the Boundary Waters. I'm excited to come back with knowing a little bit more how to navigate and how to survive in the backcountry here when it's portaging and amidst lakes. And I think I have a new perspective of 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 also traveling with new people and being open to trying something new with people I just met a little bit ago that I think has made it really special and to learn about people's backgrounds that are much different than mine and also really similar in some ways too. That's, it's been really fun to hear people who are, who are newer and are ex experiencing you know, some of the first times with the, the rainbow flag or the first time in a group of queer people. It's been really good. And I think people have been so respectful of each other and letting them tell their story and not assuming anything about anybody. That space where we're not following the scripts that we're supposed to, where we're sharing things in, in our own words. I think that's a really special part about what this trip has been as well. I think sometimes when we feel like we're not worthy, when we say it out loud and there's someone there to be like, you absolutely are, and you're absolutely part of this community. I don't know, it feels like your heart kind of explodes, like, okay, they are accepting, like we all are accepting and we all need to be in these spaces and feel welcomed and comfortable enough to talk about the type of queerness we are, you know, because we're all so different. And we don't have to have that certain label to be a part of this community. But at the same time, especially in the outdoor industry for working in the guiding industry for so long, I never really felt comfortable with that. It was, it's already as a woman, it's hard in the outdoor industry. So when you stack that on top of it, you start getting insecure. And that's what I felt while guiding, was just that insecurity, because I didn't have that community. And so coming here and feeling like there are people that have worked in that industry as well that are just like me. So I'm just like, that's so freaking cool, it's so cool. And comforting to know that it's out there and maybe if I would have spoke about it a little bit more that it might have helped someone else too that maybe was feeling the same way. I mean, this group is just amazing, amazing. It's like every, everything I think I needed in the outdoor world, really. This group was so helpful. Super grateful. But what's really special is when 
I travel with people and they really seem to get it. And it's an emotional connection. And it's a, it's sort of a home feeling sort of a connection. One of the things that made this trip so special to me is that it felt like I could share that with people who I could be my true self around as, as an out gay man. And they could sort of, sort of share in, in my experience of loving this place. And they were also a group of people who just kind of, who, who got it as far as the place but also sort of sort of got me. Like we just shared two levels of connection, which is it's something I'd never experienced actually when I was out there. And, and it's a place that I love so much and you know, my favorite place in the world. And to see people appreciate that, but also appreciate all of me at the same time, which, which I really felt from this group of people was really special for me. It's a very beautiful and powerful story, Matthew. Thank you for sharing that. And there's also a video that's going to be coming out about the trip as well. Yeah, there will be a documentary that sort of tells the full story of the trip. There's a lot that just didn't and couldn't make it into this uh, short podcast episode. So stay tuned. It'll be out in the spring of 2023. All right. Uh, you mentioned earlier that we went and met Jason in May 2021 when we were staying at Sigurd Olson's place and going to Listening Point and so forth. And when we were in Ely making an episode, you were actually going to do this trip that fall. But if we recall, the wildfires closed down the entire wilderness. Yeah, the trip got canceled. And um, actually, it was looking like it wasn't even going to happen. But... Uh, about this time last winter, uh, Jason and I started talking on the phone and pulled it off. And we didn't quite have everybody that was going to be there the first time, but we had all the right people come along. And it was just one of those things where it was exactly what it needed to be. Hmm. Well, 80 episodes. Eight. Zero. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> That's a lot of me and you talking. <laughs> <laughs> and other people, all these yeah, guests, you know, yeah. I mean, so many people we've met. Uh, thank you to everybody that's ever appeared in an episode or been willing to, you know, send in their story ideas to us along the way. And it's, their audio diaries, too. That's been such a great thing. Keep them coming, folks. I mean, you all know that we make this podcast for you. I mean, we, for ourselves, too, but... If you weren't listening and if we didn't imagine you out there every time we did this, it wouldn't be nearly the magic that it is. Season six begins with the next episode. Starting now. <laughs> season six. Welcome to season Welcome six. Season six of the WTRP Battle Wars podcast. Slushy ice awaits your soul. To sing when I paddle canoe Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true We're gonna get through to the other side Out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Rule me, rock me in my dreams You can roll me, rock me in my dreams
So I like to sing, I love to dance I play the fool if I got the chance All around the campfire light All around the campfire light All around, all around, all around The campfire light something that you get from listening to it all right especially you can imagine some of these places like Lac La Croix you know and all of its beauty but seeing this amazing group of people in their happiest state of mind is pretty powerful kind of like that person over there right now <laughs> very much like that person over there right now <laughs> oh, I hope I don't get that look ever again <laughs> Dude, run! Run! <laughs> I don't know how that was going to fit in, I guess. It's going to be real strange and mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like this podcast. Well, I'm just glad that nobody's actually hurt right now. <laughs>